Don't optimize the EVs. Optimize first of all the roads. Innovative change of the angle of view by Electrion's dynamic wireless electrification system. Dear audience, my name is Ludmila Dea. I'm the Managing Director of Edit Experts Conferences and I would like to welcome you to the first episode of the Edit Experts Conferences podcast. Whether at live events or in the digital world, we bring together cool promising tech startups with exciting innovative global players and generate a platform where the world of sustainable technology meets. Get to know the different companies, but also the inspiring leader personalities behind these brand names. Our motto is towards a better and cleaner future through knowledge transfer and technology. And our guests today are Oren Eser and Dr. Stefan Tonger. Oren Eser is the CEO and co-founder of Electrion. Oren has a lot of practical experience in electronic engineering at the electro-optic system units and many other engineering areas and has already founded and managed several tech companies. And Stefan Tongo is the business development manager at Electrion. Stefan has a background in mechanical engineering and industrial management, where he even completed his PhD. He was analyzing the development of electric road systems from a business model perspective. And very briefly about Electrion before we start. Electrion Wireless is an Israeli publicly traded company developing an electric road system. The company is using dynamic wireless power transfer technology inductive transmission via electromagnetic fields from the roadbed. The technology enables a shared infrastructure that significantly reduces the need to charge vehicles' battery during day and overnight and decreases the size of the battery. It can support any type of EVs, buses, trucks, passengers and is especially suitable for autonomous EVs. And today we talk about the development of the automotive and transportation industry, innovative thinking, business corporations and leadership. Oren, the whole automotive sector is busy worldwide with electrification. They are working intensively on optimizing the technical details of the cars, the batteries, the range, the vehicle weight and much, much more. You at Electrion, you take a completely different approach. Let's put it simply, you're optimizing the roads. How was this idea born? So the idea was born eight years ago while I was working at the Elbit system. I managed the R&D department and I was the chief electronic engineer. My partner, Hanan Rumbach, was also working at Elbit in one of the departments uh, in my group. We didn't know each other that well, but I knew him as a brilliant developer. Hanan came to me one day, it was around uh, November 2012, with a very unique idea about transferring energy over the air to a vehicle while the vehicle is in motion. At that time, I was uh, involved in uh, several startups, but when I heard this idea, I understood immediately that this might be a game changer, and I decided to concentrate only on this project which I knew will lead to a dramatic change in the transportation world. I strongly believe that uh, before establishing a startup, one should first make sure he has a true partner who not only shares the same worldview, but is a person that he can trust and count on. This is highly important since startups often behave like a roller coaster, and you want a strong partner beside you for this ride. 
This will change the ride from being frightening to a fun challenge. Luckily, we were able to create an amazing and special relationship, and I think that we feel together that we can overcome almost everything. We started working at Hanan's garage. We first uh, checked whether the technology was at all feasible to research the concept of wireless charging in uh, the transportation field. We talked to potential customers and relevant stakeholders in the field like uh, OEMs, uh, grid uh, operators and uh, uh, ministries and assessed if this kind of solution makes sense. After two more years, we felt that uh, we are now ready uh, for the next uh, level and we started to raise funding for the first time. Stefan, you coined the term electric road system or short ERS early 2010 which is actually now internationally used. Can you tell us more about the evolution of ERS and why you ended up working with wireless ERS concept? So in order to understand why ERS has emerged as a viable option, it's important to understand the evolution of the current road transportation system, which for over a century has evolved and stabilized around three interrelated subsystems. It's vehicles, roads, and gas stations. So you have a vehicle, you can drive the vehicle on all roads, and you fill it by standing still at the gas stations. And the same approach is generally being applied to electric vehicles where we drive battery electric vehicles on all roads and charge them by standing still at the charging station. But this approach was not considered as feasible for operations of heavy-duty vehicles, as it would require a huge amount of batteries and a complex charging infrastructure, making it a difficult business case for users compared to conventional trucks. And keep in mind that emissions from heavy-duty vehicles is a major source of pollution and one of the most difficult sectors to address in order to reach goals of becoming fossil-free society and having cleaner air quality. Now, in the beginning of 2010, a discussion emerged in Sweden that will solve the battery issue for truck. What if the trucks are powered and charged while driving by overhead line like trolleybuses? Then electric trucks will become commercially viable. At the same time, other companies together with Volvo and Scania and Elite said it was better to develop and explore ground-based solutions and see, I mean, either with conductive rail or by induction and see whether they could be used for both heavy and light-duty vehicles. And while there became a discussion about which technology was best, I defined ERS as a system of electrified roads supporting dynamic power transfer to the vehicles travel, uh, traveling on them. And basically, ERS has three implications to our current transportation system. I mean, first, it, it changes the interface of the system, right? As we're not standing still and charging, as we're charging dynamically on the move, uh, meaning the interfaces changes. Second, ERS changes the actors and ecosystem of the system. And three, ERS as a charging platform open up for new business models that could disrupt incumbent technologies and actually facilitate the transition that we needed. So as you can imagine, I've been privileged and followed the evolution of ERS over almost a decade and studied different technologies and companies and has support of, followed many champions, uh, both entrepreneurs and within governmental agencies, but also uh, at, uh, I mean, companies such as Scania and Volvo. And I always thought that the coolest technology is wireless, but from the project that I studied and followed, it, it did not become commercially viable until Huacan Sundelin, whom I have worked with ERS for almost nine years, came back from an electron visit in Israel. 
And he said he fell in love with the technology and that they have all the answers that we, we, uh, yeah, that were lacking before for other technologies. So as I learned more about uh, uh, this solution, about electron and wireless ERS, uh, that it was cost effective, that it had the supply chain for, you know, ramping up production, the ability to combine static and dynamic charging, and the, the, the ability to be a platform solution for all types of vehicles. I'm absolutely convinced that it will be a game changer that society and business needs. Orm, because you're not only the CEO, but also the co-founder, you're just perfect to answer this question. What does Electrion stand for? What is your vision? Is there a higher purpose for your work? Global warming is a world threat, especially for future generation. We are driven by a mission to create a better environment for human beings and animals as well. Seven years ago, When we first introduced our unique technology, every pitch we made everywhere, we opened with an explanation of the effect of global warming and climate change. Today, the situation is, uh, is different since global warming is not longer something one needs to emphasize. But awareness is not enough. Action is needed. One of the major global damages is caused by the transportation industry. A possible solution for this is a shift toward electric mobility. Unfortunately, economic considerations and lack of charging infrastructure might slow this shift and thus transportation will continue to harm the environment. Heavy-duty fleets are major contributors to air pollution and therefore, specifically, this shift to electric mobility in this section is essential. Such a transition is extremely challenging because of lack of charging infrastructure. I want to point out an interesting fact. Electric vehicles are green, but the production of the battery contributes to global warming. The bigger the battery and its range, more carbon is emitted in this production uh, process. Our goal is to help to reduce this size, the size of the battery for, to a minimum. Our solution is not just more cost-effective or an improvement of an existing technology. It's totally different. When you think about the concept of electric road system, let's try to put aside for a moment the technical issues. All other solutions require carrying of energy on the vehicle, which makes it expensive, heavy, and not efficient, as well as uh, requiring uh, adding fuel or charging uh, the battery from time to time, and uh, ending with the need to replace the battery. The roads already exist, so why not to use them? Once you deploy our, our system, uh, it can serve all types of vehicles, which not need to stop for charging. We charge on the go. Ten years down the road, autonomous vehicles will dominate the transportation world for sure. Combining our uh, electric road system with the autonomous technology, will fit like a glove on a hand. Those cars will be, uh, will be charged while driving, leading the service to be much cheaper, without the need to stop, available 24-7. The world will consume uh, transportation as a service, and we would like to be part of this revolution. Finally, Electrion's vision is not only about uh, creating a quality product, or making the customer happy, of course, it's obvious. Uh, we have a higher purpose than just uh, producing an electric road. It's about contributing to the world and helping making it uh, a better place for everyone. 
we are determined to succeed. Stefan, you probably hear from time to time that the conversion of the complete road infrastructure, which means to put coils everywhere under the road in the middle of the roadway to allow wireless charging while driving, would mean astronomical numbers and is totally utopian. But you at Electrion, you are not interested in equipping all roads with this technology. Would you like to explain your business model in more detail so that it will be clear how exactly this should work? You're correct, Lumila. We do not need to electrify all roads since the vehicle will have a, a small battery or potentially fuel cell that could be used as a range extender to reach end destinations. Uh, so in essence, we have a shared platform-based business model, which means that our charging solution is shared between different types of vehicles. It can be used in both a, an urban as well as an intercity application. Um, and we do not see ourselves only like purely technology suppliers, but also as operators of the system. Um, our value proposition is initially for owners and operators of commercial vehicle fleets that are facing huge problems in going fully electric at the moment. With our solution, electrifying entire commercial fleets becomes um, more cost-efficient on, on a TCO basis since there is no need to make huge upfront investment in large batteries and on individual charging infrastructure. And operation is optimal since there is no need to stop for charging. And once we have deployed the infrastructure on the roads for buses in a city or long haulage trucks on this highway, we will add additional you know, users such as delivery trucks, refusal trucks, taxis, shuttles, and eventually passenger vehicles and autonomous vehicles. This will generate an attractive return on investment since the infrastructure is shared between many. We are ready for, for mass production so we can scale up our deployment uh, rapidly and offer our solution for entire cities and countries. And when we have an interesting business case with committed users, Uh, we can also do so without public funding as we could finance such project as part of a concessionary consortium. Let's clarify first a few technical details of this technology. Oren, is there a limit to the vehicles per kilometer of road using this infrastructure? Or what happens actually on a busy road with traffic jam? Can the system become overloaded? In general, the technology can deliver up to 25 kilowatt per 1.5 meter road. So in 100 meter road, it can supply up to 1.5 megawatt. But that amount of energy is not needed in real life. Vehicles will not be on the road one after the other every 1.5 meters. We estimate that our solution would provide energy to, let's say, two heavy duty trucks or four buses or at the most 12 private vehicles on 100 meter road at the, on the same time. So the, en the average energy for 100 meter road is about uh, 300 uh, kilowatt. We have a real-time communication with all the coils under the road. We can activate and disactivate every one of them according to the need. In a case that the grid will be overloaded uh, and cannot supply the demand, we can balance it according to the needs from the vehicles. We can decide whether to charge or discharge certain vehicles according to the stage of charge of their battery. Stefan, what is the expected lifetime of this technology? 
and what type of maintenance will be required over its life and how will this impact on the use of the road? The expected lifetime of the infrastructure is very high, between 20 to 30 years, depending on the type of road and traffic. And regarding the maintenance, uh, it's different for the two main components, the coils and the management unit. So the, the electronic, which manage the real-time communications uh, with the vehicles and the inverter, they are placed in an underground management unit next to the road. Uh, and that will require maintenance for about once every uh, several years, like typical electrical insulation. Meanwhile, the passive coils are buried under the road and will not require any maintenance, um, which is a very good thing. Uh, on the vehicle side, given that wireless technology does not have any mechanical contact, it, it has a very low need for maintenance and long lifetime. Oren, where does this technology make more sense? Is it on highways? What should be the ideal use case and application for this product? Our technology makes sense everywhere, on any kind of road. But since we believe in evolution instead of revolution, we first try to find a segment that will benefit the most from the t this technology in terms of uh, CO2 re uh, reduction and strong business proposition. Therefore, the ideal application for our product is public transportation. First, city buses which drives in fixed routes are the most polluting. Uh, our solution can save the government millions of dollars. Second, long-haul trucks cannot rely on batteries so uh, they cannot fully transform to electric. This, uh, this actually, this uh, uh, segment, uh, this need came from the Swedish government, who was uh, interested in examining whether the electric road system is good uh, fit uh, for this uh, transportation sector. Third, last mile delivery trucks and taxis, actually, which have uh, to operate 24-7, do not have a depot inside a city, so charging such fleets is very challenging. Here comes the huge benefit of our system in the combination of urban and intercity deployment, which create a complete solution for the entire region. The solution can generate positive ROI for only one segment, which makes it the most cost-effective solution ever. Basically, The best use case of our deployment uh, are roads with uh, lots of traffic, whether it's a highway or uh, for long-haul trucks, or a city with dense center in which minimal deployment can serve maximum amount of users and optimize the average of uh, our shared platform. Stefan, what are the costs of installation and infrastructure And one more related question, what are the estimated costs for upgrading EVs at relevant volumes? When I was doing my research and followed wireless ERS project by Kais University in Qualcomm and Bombardier, cost was considered as one of the main barriers of wireless ERS. A recent cost comparison made by Swedish Road Administration showed that our solution is competitive with any other ERS technology. To be more specific, Uh, our cost estimates for the infrastructure and installation is about 500 to 600,000 US dollar per kilometer in one direction uh, and excluding the grid connection, which is specific for each location. 
<clears throat> but I think it's important to not just take the, the cost of the infrastructure, uh, but also to put it in into respect, perspective with other charging and fueling infrastructure needs and costs, uh, as well as the savings that could be made in terms of battery. Because I think then uh, you'll end up in the conclusion that wireless service is actually a long-term investment that could be shared and utilized and paid for by so many users. Now, for a vehicle receiver, our goal is to reach a target below US$1,000 per receiver, which would be very competitive, I believe. Oren, because your technology has a great impact on the whole road infrastructure, your work also includes cooperation with government institutions. How well does this cooperation work? And actually, how willing are the authorities to implement this technology? And do you find maybe also significant differences between countries? From the very first days, it was clear to us that uh, our technology demands focusing on those two major issues that you raised. First, it should be supported by governments. So we started to talk with all the relevant players in this field, governments, municipalities, fleet operators, and electricity providers, to share the concept of electric road system and to understand what are the main barriers. Usually companies are reluctant to work with government, but from our experience, it's a bit different. They are very active and open for collaboration, and actually they are financing our two main uh, uh, pilots. We identified several issues that must be solved in order to consider electric road system as real solution. Second, implementation of such technology is a major challenge. Since it's done on roads which are not owned by the company, but by governments, and this kind of industry is uh, very conservative. We needed to understand how to correctly build our product so it will merge with the roads and uh, not cause them uh, any damage. From the very start, we collaborated with the leading European companies in the field of road construction in order to build the correct uh, infrastructure deployment process. Our philosophy is to go out from the lab and to reach field tests as fast as possible. And this is why we did the first deployment on public road five years ago in Tel Aviv, much before the technology was uh, mature. And this is one of the reasons that today the technology is robust and ready for commercial use in real life condition. Stefan, are there aspects of your vision of the future for Electrion that are best addressed to collaborations? Which company profiles would be suitable cooperation partners for you? And actually, what kind of cooperation already works excellently, if you can talk about it freely, of course? Now, the special thing with ERS compared to other uh, innovations that are non-systemic is that you cannot do everything alone to achieve success. So instead, several actors must cooperate over system boundaries in order to be able to deliver an attractive ERS service to the users. Uh, so for us, that means that we need to create an ecosystem where we work together with other strategic partners that share our vision of making road transportation cleaner and more efficient. And this makes the journey both challenging and complex, but also very stimulating uh, and powerful uh, as we achieve success. So let me give you a few examples of such strategic partnerships. So the users are the most important partner, as you can have the most advanced and coolest technology, but if you don't have anybody who sees the value in using it and paying for it, you'll achieve very little. 
And therefore, we are now looking to connect with users that not only wants to be early adopters, but wants to be innovators and lead the shift. And Dan Buses, the largest bus operator in Israel, is a good example of such partnership. Utility companies will definitely play a key role as they already are used to invest in long-term infrastructure projects and can see an opportunity to reach a new type of market and revenue source. And one such example is our partnership with EMBV, one of the largest utility companies in Germany. And then road owners are crucial in this process and our solution could be a way to turn an existing expense to an asset and a revenue source. And here we work with public authorities such as uh, the Swedish Road Administration, but also together with private tolling companies such as Vinci, which among other things have concessions on the French highway. Uh, and construction companies are also important, of course, and we work with the NCC in Sweden and Eurovia, Eurovia in Germany. And then partnerships with OEMs will be crucial as we will need vehicles that with compatible receivers, uh, which will license to them for a symbolic fee. Uh, we believe that OEMs will see wireless ARES as an opportunity to ramp up the mass production of EVs uh, that they need to, to achieve the regulation and to make them more, let's say, attractive and commercially viable for users. Currently, we have a good partnership with Heiger uh, with regard to the buses, and we have Volvo and Scania engaged in our reference group in the Swedish prog- uh, demonstration project, and we're also collaborating with light-duty vehicle OEMs. Oren, regarding your technology, the tech world may have held its breath when you tested the first tests in Sweden in rain and snow, and it worked successfully. Well... The technical development work is not over now. So what are the next steps and where are the technical challenges now? Yeah, so it was a very, very important milestone for the company and a very exciting week. Actually, it was uh, surrealistic with all the snow around us. For the, fir- for the first time, we were able to electrify a long-haul truck uh, while driving at uh, 30 km per hour. On, uh, on a road, on a public road, regardless uh, the weather, we showed everyone that it's not a dream, the technology works. Uh, now our next goal is to keep operating the road on a daily basis, test different types of vehicles. Uh, we're waiting for our bus uh, to come from uh, China and to test them at uh, different speeds and uh, begin the first uh, commercial pilot. Stefan, at the moment, your work is mainly done in two countries, in Israel and in Sweden. What is your company structure now and how do you make sure that the exchange works well and efficiently? So I have a quite international background as I was born in the Netherlands. So I speak some, I speak Dutch and some German. Uh, my parents are Christian Syriacs born in Turkey. So at home, we spoke uh, Arabic and Syriac. Uh, and I've gone to school and grew up in Sweden. Uh, and I can say that I truly feel at home at uh, Electron, as we don't have any boundaries between the different countries. And it's, you know, different languages, uh, uh, which is quite fun. Um, we have a great team spirit, uh, as everybody's part of the same mission. So it's very focused, I would say. Uh, in terms of internal communication, there is not the big difference uh, in these corona times. So we communicate every day through WhatsApp and Google Hangout. And it actually works out better than I anticipated before I started the, the company, considering the, the very fast uh, startup pace that we have. 
And I think important inefficiency is that everybody's sharing information with relevant persons, so we don't need to have unnecessary meetings to keep people up to date. Um, however, I do think that the Swedish office is treated unfairly by nature, as we lack the, the beach as a neighbor and surfing boards in our office that our Israeli colleagues utilize most of the mornings. Oren, since you are co-founder of Electrion, you're definitely involved here with heart and mind. What was the most emotional, the greatest moment, the most important success for Electrion so far? Actually, it's hard to identify one moment since the progress is uh, gradual across uh, several years. However, there is one specific moment that I can think of. It was five years ago, uh, Noam Milan, Hanan Rombak and I We're alone, working on the system at the company, uh, which was uh, at that time located uh, south of Israel in a, in a desert. One evening, after a year of uh, developing and testing the feasibility of our idea, we had finished building our first prototype. Noam and I were inside the vehicle. Hanan stood at the side of the road by the management unit and electrified the road. And actually it worked. For the first time, we managed to electrify 30 meters of a road. We transferred the energy from the road coils uh, to the engine of the vehicle. And uh, by then, we, we didn't use any battery. So it was amazing to see the vehicle moving on the road uh, only with the wireless energy. I remember the excitement bursting out of, uh, of us in this uh, second. We were jumping and hugging like kids, just to mention that uh, it was before the COVID-19, so we were allowed to, to hug each other. Stefan, you're responsible for business development at Electrion. Where will you focus on in the future? Anything you can tell us? By the end of this year, we will have demonstrated the technology feasibility in different countries. And the goal of the company is to have a commercial project by, by mid-2021. So we need to focus on our value proposition to potential users and make sure to offer them the most cost-efficient way to shift to electric mobility in the short-term period. Um, until now, our focus has been on EU countries such as Sweden, Germany, uh, Italy, France, and, and Israel that are engaged in pushing for evaluating ERS solution. Uh, however, I am currently exploring opportunities to penetrate the U.S. market with focus on California and, and New York uh, City. These are important markets that suffer from bad air quality and have, that have significant health impact on the citizens and therefore also have great motivation for going zero emission. However, out of experience, I know that it's very challenging and complex to deploy ERS on this market. Uh, in 2014, I studied the deployment of catenary electric roads on the I-710 uh, freeway in LA, which has very high goods movement activities from the ports of LA and Long Beach, and also is the cause of significant pollution. Uh, and I learned many things of why it did not work out and why I believe now that it could work better with wireless ERS solutions. So I look forward to potentially moving to the U.S. again with my family and manage electron activities from there. Oren, what gives you inspiration for new technical ideas or new business ideas? For me, inspiration always comes from uh, interaction and dialogue with uh, people with common uh, ideology. I love to uh, interact with people, to meet with other entrepreneurs. 
this important communication leads to new Uh, technical and uh, business ideas. Stefan, startup companies are mostly known for their great work culture. Employees are usually very passionate about what they do. Could you please describe your company culture in three words? I would say open mindset, uh, courage and endurance. Oren, do you have an opinion in the field of mobility, transportation, or let's say in general in technology that is very different from the opinion of the general public? Is there anything that's totally out of line? I believe people should uh, change their behavior and move toward using uh, public transportation instead of owning private vehicles. This will only happen if a new technology will enable this change. Imagine you could, uh, you could go out of the street in the morning and catch an autonomous car that is driving non-stop on the roads, uh, equipped with, uh, let's say, electric road system uh, all over the city. It will take you to work, probably will cost one or two dollars. This is a game changer. Combining our electric road system with autonomous capabilities will be the new technology allowing behavioral change. The world will use autonomous public transportation as an affordable and easy-to-use service. Stefan, you are currently hiring new employees for various positions. In terms of meta skills and soft skills, which skills should the candidates preferably have? So you're right. I mean, the company is growing and we are hiring new people on a monthly basis in Israel, in Sweden as well, to support our aim of landing the initial ERS deployment project, which the government has decided will happen. Um, but we we are expanding our activities on new markets, um, such as Germany and the US. So we need to hire even more people. Uh, and, and this is both related to project management and business development, but also related to software, electrical and mechanical engineering. So if you are listening and feel that you can help us reach to the next level, don't hesitate to, to contact us. Uh, and I can, uh, I can promise you that you'll find a stimulating startup environment where there is a mentality that everything is possible in order to reach cleaner transportation. Oren, let me ask you something about your leadership style. Could you please describe your leadership style in three words? Describe the leadership in three words. Uh, not easy, but I will use freedom, courage, and trust. Stefan, regarding your work of business development, are your decisions more gut-based or data-based? Actually, it's very much a mix. Uh, my many years in academia has made me respect research and the need for data and analyzing data. Uh, and I always had to be sure that the things I claimed were grounded in theory or in the data which I collected. And I still emphasize this. I work with the RICE um, Research Institute in Sweden, and we analyze data and create a methodology for how to, um, to optimize the business case for users in, in our system and see uh, the TCO based on actual data of how they drive. Um, but now I find also myself in a startup environment in which we are creating Uh, basically the map as we are running uh, and gut feeling is a key to be effective uh, it's also important to create relationships and trust with other partners that share the same vision this allows us to gather data and to analyze and optimize the solution that will be most cost efficient and thereby be the basis for decision making and investments 
Oren, what is your personal opinion about brave business decisions and how do you handle failures? Brave decisions are important in a development process and crucial when dealing with new technologies. Without them, you will not be able to outstand. Imagine you run a startup, the budget is limited and the clock is ticking. And now think about taking a decision that unfortunately will take your company one, one step back, causing an additional huge penalty in cost. But specifically, this decision is crucial in building the best base of future development. Then I don't see any alternative and uh, such a brave decision is a must. Hanan, my partner, and I decided at the very beginning that no matter what the cost will be, we will not continue with the product until we are certain that, our, uh, that we chose the best solution. But how do you know you chose the best solution? You start by, let's say, choosing a direction, you move forward, Uh, in order to find the right path, you must check several uh, different directions. Most of them probably will fail, but hopefully one or two will succeed. That is why failures are must. When you're developing new technology that has never been developed before, you cannot learn from others' mistakes. Uh, you have to investigate everything on your own. Avoiding failures probably will not lead to a breakthrough. This is why I believe in managing uh, failures, not uh, just successes. Stefan, let's stay on the subject of failures. How has a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success in business? Or do you maybe even have a favorite failure of your professional life? It took me a long time to do my, my thesis with uh, many setbacks and challenges. And I mean, It was mainly regarding uh, ERS and business models, um, the notions that people laughed at me to do theoretical contributions on these relatively like new terms. Um, reviewers rejected the notion and, and general feedback was that ERS is skunk work done by Scania and Volvo uh, to not do anything that really matters. And... Um, that I could not study business models if there is no market. Uh, and while I was distraught, uh, I did not give in. Uh, instead, I used the feedback uh, that I received on on advice of my supervisor as, as a fuel which was necessary to improve my line of argument. Um, and today I can say that what felt as an apparent failure in the beginning turned out to be a great success as I I became the first you know PhD on the RS and I was the first one uh, <laughs> academic to establish the connection between technology shifts and business model dilemma so my learning is that I mean take control of, of I mean your field of domain that you that you know and accept the possibility for failures uh, by being curious about others' perspective. Oren, who inspires you when it comes to business and leadership? Do you have a role model? I take inspiration from the remarkable story of survival. The hero in this story is Ernest Shackleton, who inspires me with his courage, wisdom and leadership. Ernest was an Anglo-Irish Antarctic explorer, best known for leading the endurance expedition of 1914, 
His unique philosophy was, by endurance we conquer. So for the very start, Shackleton was creative. Imagine you need to hire staff for a mission to cross Antarctic for the first time. He used the following words. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small ridges, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, but honor and recognition in case of success. Ernest Shackleton. So after a few months of sailing, the endurance was trapped in the middle of nowhere with no rescue routes or contact with the outside world. Pressure from the ice crushed the ship, the water began to penetrate and Shackleton gave the order to abandon. He then redefined the mission to return home safely. Although the odds were low, his men were hungry as no ship, it was dark and minus 20 degrees. Shackleton understood that in order to survive, he needs to unite everyone and strengthen morale. So first he convinces his men that the mission is possible. His, his main task was to manage the energies of the team. Shackleton quickly realized that all thoughts of survival are the enemy of his team. He also understands that the most important resource is the belief, each one in himself and the shared belief in the group's ability to survive together and return home. Shackleton requires the team to connect with each other, just not to be alone. No one is allowed to retire to his tent alone after dinner. Make sure you keep them busy all day so they will not hurt each other. He also understood that routines are very important for creating stability and security. He kept them busy at all time to avoid doubts, anxiety and despair and to produce commitment and unity. Everyone had missions. For example, everyone had to walk five miles around the camp in the intense cold to keep in shape and to get them energized. He called it mental cure. There were games, shows, costumes, singing competitions. He even organized a dance competition on the ice. Eventually, they were saved. Shackleton's determination, perseverance, and commitment to the mission are admirable characteristics that are important in brave leadership. I admire his ability to lead people in such an extreme and life-threatening situation while keeping his men united. So after you, you all know the end of the story, you understand how brilliant Shackleton was when he recruited his men. He didn't offer a huge salary and he didn't even look for the best seller, but for a person with the passion to fulfill a mission. These were the people that eventually were able to survive such a catastrophe. You can find similar lines between this story and a startup when sometimes runs with uncertainty with the future. And I prefer having people that believe in the mission beside me than people that look only for a great job. And Stefan, how about you? Who inspires you regarding business and leadership? Do you maybe have a role model? 
I would say Thomas Edison. Uh, so firstly, uh, he's the king of failures. So before the light bulb became a success, he was interviewed and questioned by a reporter about his lack of results. And you know what his answer was? Uh, he said, results? Why, man? I've had plenty of results. I know several thousand things that don't work. Um, and secondly, he had a great system perspective regarding infrastructure. For example, his great achievement was not inventing the light bulb itself, but to put it in a complete system with power generator, um, transmission lines and meters, which made the light bulb usable, scalable and affordable. I think thirdly, uh, he was a master of business model innovation, uh, as instead of selling light bulb to the city, he sold lightning and power generation to cities with over 20 year contract before it went back to city ownership. Uh, I think we can learn from this example also for electric roads to develop innovative business models that could facilitate the transition. Oren, do you have a motto or a guiding quote that you would like to share with us? In this case, I will quote Mahatma Gandhi, Be the change you wish to see in the world. This is a remarkable sentence that is strongly connected to the current situation in which we all must do everything possible in order to reduce pollution and not to wait for someone else that will drive the change. And now, Stefan, what is your guiding quote? So I can really relate to the one by Richard Branson, which is, if somebody offers you an amazing opportunity, but you're not sure you can do it, say yes, then learn how to do it later. Oren and Stefan, I would like to thank you both very much as our first guest of honor. It was extremely enjoyable to have you here today and to learn more about Electrion, about your technology and about you as modern leaders. And last but not least, about you as personalities. Thank you for letting us take part in what drives you, inspires you, how brilliantly you both deal with failures and even transform them to your advantage. That was communicated very well by both of you. People have a tendency to forget facts and figures after a while, but they don't forget the personal stories and the thoughts and feelings it has triggered in them. Thank you also that we now know what unusual challenges you have in the office in Sweden compared to the office in Israel. Surfing in the morning should not be underestimated as motivation. Thank you that you managed to feel Electrion in our podcast, not only with technical content, which is very important, but also with personality, character and lots of inspiration. I'm absolutely convinced that we will hear a lot more from you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Ludmila, and the Elite Expert Conference for a very interesting podcast. Your questions made me stop and think beyond the regular technical questions I'm usually asked. It was really a joyful and enriching experience to participate in your podcast. And thank you for that. So I want to thank you, Ludmilla. It's been a true uh, honor to be the first guest on the Elite Experts Conference uh, podcast. Uh, I mean, we are delighted that you are interested in our company. And we are delighted that we got so many good questions from the audience, from your network. And we look forward to engaging with them to discuss how we can achieve a, a better and cleaner future together. Thanks again very much. There are many ways to achieve a more sustainable future. There are many companies and innovative leaders who choose and actively go very different ways. Let's not forget one thing. No matter how different the ways are, the big goal is one and the same. 
See you very soon in the next episode.